Welcome to episode one of Expanding Circles. I'm your host, Jonathan Isaacson. This is a podcast about origin stories. Everyone's got one, not just superheroes and supervillains. We all follow different paths to get where we are today, either professionally or geographically. The origin stories in this podcast are about both. How did these people end up being teachers here in Japan? While there are definite similarities in a lot of our backgrounds, the particular paths we followed in our journeys here are really varied. Some of us were travelers before we were teachers, and some of us were teachers first and then travelers, but we've all ended up in the same place. Today's origin story involves dangerous dumpsters, Wayne Newton, and more than a little drama. And so, without any further ado, let's get on with it. My first guest is Ian Randall. Hope you all enjoy. So everyone, thank you. Welcome to this experiment of a podcast. I'm not sure how it's going to go, but um, in this, we're going to introduce uh, English teachers here at TIU and see how the heck did you end up here. <laughs> uh, so my first guest here today is Ian Randall. So say hello, Ian. Hi. So thank you for joining me. Thanks for having me. Um, so let's start off. Um, just tell me, what do you consider your hometown? Um, well, it's a little tricky because I spent a lot of time in two different cities. Okay. But if you made me say something, I would say Belleville, Illinois is my hometown because that's where I was born and that's where I grew up. Okay. Yeah. And Belleville's down there near St. Louis, right? Right, right. Belleville's just about 20 minutes outside of okay. St. Louis. It's on the Illinois side of the river, though. Okay. So it goes St. Louis, East St. Louis, Belleville. Okay, so right next to East, right next to East St. Louis. Okay. Right, yeah. That's where my dad's from. Okay. And then you say, but where else then have you spent time? Uh, I then lived for 14 years, or roughly about that, in uh, Chicago. Okay, so so almost, almost as much time in Chicago as Belleville? Yeah, yeah. So I guess, you know, when your age is one to four, at least for me, I don't remember most of that. Fair enough. Fair so enough. that's, yeah, like, okay, so equal time of understanding the world and what is this besides a circle? Well, I mean, if, if you can remember anything before four, you're doing better than most of us. Yeah, I don't um, I don't remember Tuesday. <laughs> Tuesday, what? That is a good question. What was That was yesterday. That was Tuesday. Yeah, that was Tuesday. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> so, um, so how did you end up in, in Chicago? Um, I went to Chicago for undergrad. Okay. And yeah. where'd, where'd you go to school for undergrad? I went to Columbia College, Chicago. Okay, Columbia. What, what was your major? My major actually was in acting. Okay, so you actually did a, a, a theater major. Yeah, so I, I was a theater major there at Columbia College. It was an open enrollment art school, and mm-hmm. they had a really big theater and really big film department. Okay. And my cousin was going there for film, and he said that they would be a good place for theater, possibly. So okay. I checked it out and decided to go there. Okay, because I had a couple friends because I'm, I'm also from the Chicago area and I had a couple of friends who I know they at least looked at, at Columbia's uh, film program and kind of really seriously considering it but ended up going to Southern I think in Southern Illinois yeah I mean uh, it's hard because Southern Illinois is a state school mm-hmm. so it would be a little bit cheaper yeah, than Columbia yeah. uh, at the time that I went Columbia wasn't too much more expensive okay. but uh, now it's become more and more expensive. So, 
Yeah, well, so yeah, that's, that's just how education goes. Certainly. Did you go right after? Did you go to grad school right after undergrad, or just mm. time off? I took some time off. So I was I graduated in two thousand and six uh, from undergrad, and then I started grad school in two thousand and nine. Okay, so about three years between. Yeah, yeah, about three years between. Okay. What What did you do in the interim between those? Uh, between those, I was an actor. So I was working. I was working as an English tutor mm-hmm. in, for some of my day jobs, and also I was working doing other random jobs to help uh, support me while I was doing more theater work throughout Chicago and St. Louis area. Okay, so you, oh, so you also did some theater stuff down in St. Louis? Yeah, yeah. I actually I started a theater company in Belleville. Oh, you actually uh, started a company? Yeah, company. I helped to start it. I was our okay. co-artistic director for a bit there. Okay. Uh, and then we... Just like, you know, I decided to stay in Chicago instead of just going back and forth between the two cities a mm-hmm. lot. So uh, then just to make sure I was staying in Chicago, I'd have to find other jobs. So I was an English tutor. I did a lot of other random gigs at that time to try and just, you know, eat. The starving actor. Yeah. Yes, the, the, uh, that old trope. Yeah. Just kind of curious, what was what is your uh, favorite role you've ever played in theater? Um... So I would probably say my favorite role was actually a couple of different roles in one show. Uh, there was a show called Wild Nights with Emily. Wild Nights with Emily. Yeah, it was about Emily Dickinson. <laughs> okay. And it was this. It was a really funny, really silly show about Emily Dickinson. And so I played uh, a few different characters in her life. I played uh, the editor that she worked with. Okay. Uh, for a brief period of time, I played a woman who really didn't like Emily Dickinson in her town and had written about her and said some really bad things. Uh, I played this reverend who Emily Dickinson might have had an affair with. I played a few different folks in it. It was a really fun show, and I got to play a really silly character for each one of these. So it was really great. You, you, you enjoy the silly role. That, somehow yeah. that doesn't surprise me. Yeah. I mean, I also have played my fair share of murderers and, like, kind of creepy things, which are, that's fun in its own way, but it's a little strange. And that's one of those things, probably knowing you, it's kind of hard to imagine you as a murderer, but... Yeah. But that's the wonder of theater. <laughs> yeah, exactly. To be whoever you want, whoever they ask you to be, yeah, that's what yeah. you get to do. So, okay. Um, so what are some other kind of jobs you've done? Uh, so my very first job was actually uh, during the summers uh, in high school. I would go to Branson, Missouri, uh, which is about that was about four or five hours away from St. Louis, mm-hmm. and I would work in the box office for a couple of theaters there. Uh, my uncle was the general manager for a couple of theaters, and so he got me a job out there. And so I would spend some time with my uh, mother's family in southern Missouri and sell tickets to the Incredible Acrobats of China. Did you ever meet any of the lesser Osmonds? Didn't meet any of the lesser Osmonds, but my uncle was the theater manager for Wayne Newton for a while. Wayne? Did you get to meet Wayne? I didn't get to meet Wayne. Wayne had left uh, Branson for Las Vegas by that point. Uh, but my uncle had a funny story I always like to tell about having to cut down a tree limb for Wayne because Wayne was standing on the limb trying to cut it. 
uh, and he was going to fall. And uh, he's like, ah, it was either like let, let, the, let Wayne kill himself or you know help him with yard work. So <laughs> sounds a bit apocryphal, but who knows? Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, that's <laughs> it's, it's it's a it's a uh, cartoon trope. Yeah, exactly. That's but, yeah, very true. <laughs> you, you see that all the time in like Wiley e. Coyote or Sylvester or someone doing something like that. Yeah. No, yeah, maybe Uncle Ron was lying. Who knows? <laughs> or exaggerating. Who knows? Yeah. Who knows? But okay, so Branson. Branson, really, really weird city. Because you would have those people who would think, I'm the most famous person in the world. Like they would, if they were to come to the theater that we went to, they would like, uh, could you announce that the MC of the Legends uh, t- show is here? Legends was a show where you have celebrity impersonators. So there'd be someone who's like the Garth Brooks impersonator, the Dolly Parton impersonator. And this would be the person who is the MC for all these impersonators. So not even the people doing the impersonations. Not even the impersonators of these famous people, but the person who said, (laughs) hi, our next impersonator is Michael Jackson. So he wanted to make sure that everyone in the audience knew him. I, I've never been to Branson, but it's always been one of those things that just, I mean, it, it lives in legend, obviously, in American, yeah. American yeah. culture. But I love the, uh, the the Simpsons joke about it, how it's uh, Las Vegas for Ned Flanders. Yeah. I, 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 I don't know. I may have missed that Simpsons, which I've, I've seen most of the Simpsons, but I may just have put it out in my mind at this point. Yeah. <laughs> You also said, um, you told me earlier that you worked for your grandma's moving company? Yeah, so that was in college and afterwards for a long time. Uh, I would work for my grandmother's moving company. So whenever there was a break for college, when I was in school, or when I was out of school, but I was still working as a tutor. And so then my jobs would dry up when we would have the winter or the summer breaks. Mm. I would work for my grandmother's moving company. And I worked in a dumpster most of the time. So literally in a dumpster? Literally, I was inside of a dumpster in a warehouse cleaning crates into it. So is it one of those, those big industrial-sized yeah, dumpsters? Yeah, yeah. The, the worst part was the very first warehouseman, uh, he was insane. <laughs> uh, and he had some really bad ideas, and he was allowed to do them. Uh, so he would put two dumpsters next to each other so that you couldn't open the doors. Uh, and you would have to st- walk across the edge of the dumpster to get into the crates. So you would go along the edge and you risk either falling into an empty metal dumpster or falling into trash, if you're lucky, or falling onto concrete. <laughs> what? <laughs> Okay, that makes sense. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, uh, the, the guy had some problems. Uh, and there was, unfortunately, very little oversight by my grandmother at that time. So problems were allowed to continue. That's unfortunate. And, but I, I hope yeah. you never fell in. I mean, there was one time where I f- almost did, um, it, but it didn't happen. So, yay. <laughs> Winning, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. If, if it's a near-death experience, <laughs> it's fun. <laughs> Uh, that's one word for it, I suppose. <laughs> so that was kind of during university during and kind of immediately after? Yeah, yeah, shortly after. I stopped working when I started living in Chicago full time. Okay. So uh, instead of going back and forth, I would just spend the entire year. And so I had all these other random jobs instead of going to my grandmother's moving company to work there. 
How did you decide that you wanted to teach English? So when I was in undergrad, uh, we had to take a placement test for our math and writing and uh, science classes. And I tested into uh, the highest freshman writing class, and I had to take a a second writing class to meet the two English requirements. Mm -hmm. And I decided to take the tutoring class. Okay. Uh, so I became a writing tutor in uh, undergrad because okay. uh, I always had liked working with people about writing and I liked talking with people about what they were working on. And so I then started working with just general students throughout the college. It would just be, you know, other peers, other undergraduates or graduate students. And then I started working more and more with the international students, and I enjoyed that a lot. And I got to meet some of the other tutors who specialized in teaching international students, and I liked talking to them about what they were doing and uh, how they were working with their students and what were some of the challenges that they had to face. And I really thought that that was an awesome thing and it would was something that I was really interested in and so I decided to go for my masters in teaching English as a second language so I'm one of the few te or fewer teachers here that started I guess teaching uh, not by traveling already and then transferring for a university to become a teacher I started by teaching language learners in the states mm -hmm. first before teaching people who were uh, learning it in an English as a foreign language environment. Right. So how, how did you end up going from teaching like, the general college population, general university population of native speakers as, yeah. to as well? How did you go from that into teaching people in the EFL setting? How did oh, uh, okay. So uh, I, in the, the initial part of it, when I started working as a tutor, um, it was just uh, if you were in the college and you were an undergrad, then they would try to keep you just with other undergrad teachers. Mm -hmm. But when I graduated and I kept working, then they started sending more graduate students or international students uh, to me so that uh, the undergraduate students didn't necessarily feel the pressure from that. They okay. felt that like the people with degrees might have a little bit more professional credentials to help these other students. Okay, so, so you continued working in the writing lab yeah, I still after work, graduation. Exactly, okay. yeah. So that was Columbia College's policy at the time. You could be a, a professional writing tutor through the, the college okay. after you graduated. But okay. then um, I decided to become the teacher, so uh, I wound up getting my master's. And where did you do your master's? Uh, ma master's was at Northeastern Illinois University. Okay. That's, that's also in Chicago. Uh, it was in the Albany Park area. Okay. Yeah, so uh, it was... I don't think I've ever been by the Northeastern campus. Wait, it's no? really tucked away. It's like uh, Kimball and Bryn Mawr. Okay. So it's... No, okay. Um, yeah, no, I'm... I'm Kimball, yeah, Kimball and Bryn Mawr, I must have gone by it at some point. Yeah, I mean, because it's... Uh, well, yeah, I mean, like, you know Andersonville, right. which is in the northeast side. Right, right. Yeah, so if you were to just go west yeah. for a while... Okay, then you'd come across it yeah, there. Yeah, because my father lived up in the, like in Edgewater, and then later up in Brit, like near near the Bryn Mawr stop. Yeah, so, so this would just be west. Just west of yeah, Bryn you would just go west for a while from yeah. there. Okay, which is interesting. Northeastern Illinois University is actually further west than Northwestern <laughs> University.
Okay. Yeah, it's a little confusing. But North, you know, Northwestern's in a completely different right. city. Right, so. right. But uh, Northeastern uh, was wonderful. And when I was working there, then I was working as a writing tutor. And so then it would start it out with just all international students with one or two native speakers uh, thrown in here and there. Okay. And then while I was in the program as well, they let us uh, start teaching classes as part of our graduate assistantship. Okay. So I taught a class, or I co-taught a class actually uh, there. And then my final course was a teaching practicum through uh, Chicago City Colleges. Okay. So I worked as an intern for them and uh, co-taught a class for them. So that was teaching in the States and teaching those classes. And it was enjoyable, but teaching in the United States, teaching university, it's very hard right now because you're not teaching at one place usually. Well, yeah, a lot of yeah. adjunct work and kind of right. and around. Yeah, you have to part-time at several different schools. So that became a little bit more complicated, which like, okay, well, I'm, I'm teaching from 8.25 to 11.45 uh, at Northeastern, and then I take the train to 35th Street, and then I teach from 1 until 6 over here, and then I might take the train to downtown and I might have a couple other like tutoring classes or things there as well so not an easy schedule not not an easy schedule no it just a lot of a, a lot of long days for that part because when you're teaching at a couple schools at once it suddenly goes from like nine to nine fast oh yeah I'm sure that very quickly time adds up yeah so so within was that part of your decision to kind of take a look at a teaching abroad yeah that was something that was one part to it uh, was that I was uh, getting a bit worn out with teaching at multiple places or teaching during a semester seven days a week of actually just teaching uh, so I was like I, I would like to try and transition from that and so I started looking at where full-time opportunities were and the best full-time opportunities were overseas so I decided to really investigate those uh, options more. So, how, so why Japan? Japan, for a couple of reasons. Um, the easiest answer was uh, TIU gave me the best offer of the places that I had spoken with. Because okay. I... Sort of in addition to the reason you came to Japan? Yeah, yeah, that was the only thing I wanted to just add on to there was just like, yeah, it, when I was looking at all these different places, yeah, it was the the best deal that was offered me. And also, I liked the way that the school was described. I liked the fact that it was a mixture of uh, Japanese students and also the international students, because that was one thing that I that felt I was going to miss when I went from the U.S. environment to the EFL environment. Right, because you said you'd worked with a bunch of people kind of from all over. And, yeah, yeah, and being able to go have that environment still where I've got one student from Indonesia, one student from Uzbekistan, one student from Vietnam, 14 students from Malaysia. Or, yeah. Right, right, and so here we've got the E-track at least, even if it's not, not our main teaching of priorities it's still, certainly a large part of our priorities yeah yeah it does help to kind of like i don't know 
give a broader perspective. And that's something that I like when I get to teach. several job interviews in one day okay. and of the people different countries or? different countries yeah so uh this was at uh the big tesol conference in okay. baltimore okay yeah, yeah so i had seven interviews in one day okay and if you, if you don't mind what what are some of the other countries you had interviews with? uh i had interviews with a few countries in saudi arabia okay so university in saudi uh, i had an interview with american university of iraq that would be interesting. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's in the Kurdish region. Oh, so oh, that would have been I, pretty neat. That'd be very interesting. Yeah. Uh, in an interview with Bill Kent University, in, uh, uh, that Bill Kent was in Istanbul. Istanbul, okay. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then TIU. Okay. So a lot of kind of Middle Eastern. Yeah, it was primarily Middle Eastern uh, aside from TIU. I mean, cause it seems that, that right now there's a big push in like Middle Eastern universities. Yeah, there there have been for a uh, there has been for a while, but there it seems like there are more and more programs kind of opening up outside of Saudi, Mm. which that's where the 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 big locus used to be. It seemed to be the largest location for schools, but now there's more schools opening in uh, Kuwait or Qatar or places Mm. like that. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah, because that's that's I mean for me personally, I, I. Ended up in Japan right out of undergrad. And mm. That's kind of where I've, I'm. One, I'm one of those folks. So you became. You were an ALT. Or? Right, I was the ALT. So for me, just all you know, where the rest of the world, where all the English teachers are spread out. It seems like a lot of them right now. A lot of. I mean, even our teachers here at TIU, a lot of them have been filtered through the Middle East. At some yeah, point. yeah. I think um, it's it's pretty interesting to talk, and it's interesting to find out maybe how close people might have been living to each other. Mm, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, like uh, James and Kelly were actually, uh, pro- I think they were living in the same town at some point. <laughs> yeah. Well. I don't know if at the exact same time. But or... certainly in the same town. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah, it's really interesting where it's like, you know, it's a really big but really small world. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, like, for example, with, us having that random connection between um, <laughs> your uh, bandmate. Oh yeah, 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 and, and also just I mean, it was just some like the Chicago theater thing because my yeah. father was um, involved in Chicago theater for a long time as well. So yeah, just kind of these weird connections we make in this in this great big mixed up world. Yeah, yeah, and I I think that with um, where all of the teachers have come from, it's the same thing too. Where if you look at uh, where like a lot of actors tend to come from, like they might be coming out of like oh, a lot of people went to Second City for training. Yeah, I mean like Chicago. I mean it's not New York, but it's no. it's definitely one of the big theater. Yeah, cities. there's a history for people right. doing things there. Similar like how there's a history of people teaching in Japan, or there's a history of people now, or at least a developing history of more people teaching in UAE or teaching in Saudi. Saudi yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. So how how do you see yourself going forward? How long I don't know not how long, but once you're done here at TIU, however long that is, go and f- roll the ball forward for 10 years or whatever. What do you see yourself doing and where? Um do you have thoughts. Ideally, I'd still be teaching somewhere. Okay. I I like teaching. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I hope whatever happens, whether I'm at the same level I am, or if it would be in an administrative position or whatever, that I'd still have teaching in my life because yeah. I I do enjoy it a lot. Do you think you'd be still out of the country or back in the U.S. at some point? Um, I'm not really sure. 
of I I think one of the great things that I learned from my theater experience is the concept of like given circumstances uh, where it's like okay so you're doing this right now okay I'm doing this right now so it's just like kind of looking at the situation you're in and just kind of accepting that or using that to inform your choice mm -hmm. or if uh, to use like another theater trope would be yes and so like with improv mm -hmm. uh you don't if you're working with a partner you don't say okay i'm on mars no we're not <laughs> so you say exactly. oh, okay i'm on mars okay we're on mars and i'm an alien okay you're an alien, and I have a gun, and I'm going to try and capture you, you alien, or something like that. So for me, it's, okay, uh, I have an opportunity to go to teach in Turkey. Okay, I'll take that. Or I have an opportunity to go to a different place. Or I have an opportunity to stay here in Japan for a different job. Or I have an opportunity to go back to America. It's kind of whatever lies ahead, and just see from that point. So you wouldn't be adverse to being a permanent expat if the if the situation is what yeah, it is. Yeah, I mean, uh, as long as I'm able to go back and see my family and visit my friends and do that, then if I'm living abroad from here until the end of my existence, okay. Yep. Yeah. Sounds good. Yeah. Well, um, thank you very much. This has been a lot of it. It's been a lot of fun. I enjoyed it. Yeah. So, thank you. All right. Excited to hear your next interview. Well, we'll see what we get. Got Hopefully got a lot more to come, so please keep listening. That's all for Expanding Circles for today. I'll keep making these things as long as I can find people to talk to, and as long as people are listening. Until next time, I'm Jonathan Isaacson.